0: Welcome to Mouth Off, a podcast brought to you by Forget Me Not Productions. I'm Clary Sadler, and so far on the series, I've interviewed a range of interesting individuals from all walks of life. These are individuals who are considered in some capacity to empower marginalized communities. On this episode, I'll be talking to Gavin Clifton, Gavin is an author, writer, songwriter and disability blogger from Newbridge in South Wales. Hi, Gavin. Thanks for coming on the show. So today you'll be answering the questions using your communication aid. Would you mind introducing yourself and telling us what it is you do in a nutshell?
1: Thank you for inviting me to feature on the Mouth Off podcast. I am honoured to take part. It is a pleasure. Please go easy on me because this is the very first time I've done anything like this. Anyway, I'm Garving Clifton, I am 38 years old. I live in a small village called Pentooing Mawa, which is just up the road from a place called Newbridge nestled in the heart of the southeast valleys of Wales. I am a children's book author, writer, songwriter, and have recently become a disability blogger.
0: in the shadows
1: of my own uncertainty As each hour of these days just slip on by Silhouettes
0: of old times keep on catching my eye Yeah, they always remind me of the day I let you get away
1: And with every beat that my heart now takes
0: It feels like I'm wrestling with my girl And all that's stuck in my mind Is what what would you know If I told you how I felt that day What could be now? Forget Me Not Productions is an inclusive arts organisation that works with marginalised communities. This could include the LGBTQ plus community, working class communities, people with mental health issues, people from Black, Asian, minority or ethnic communities, women, care home residents and the disabled community. You are a disability rights activist, writing extensively on the subject in your blog. What are the most common issues you have faced both personally and through your line of work?
1: Apart from being born with cerebral palsy, I also have a speech impediment. And in my mind, I have always thought that the way I talk is awful. I hate it and I can sometimes suffer a little bit of anxiety because of it. My family and friends often say to me, your speech is fine. But I think otherwise, once you get to know me as a person, you come to understand what I'm saying a lot more straightforward, most of the time anyway. But up until now, meeting people for the very first time has been nerve-wracking. I would go over and over it in my head and ask myself will we hit it off straight away, or will this person be able to understand what I'm about to say to them? It hasn't always been this way though, through my teens and mid-twenties it didn't bother me as much, but as I have grown a little older little things such as people not being able to understand what I'm saying to them has affected my confidence, or should I say I had let it affect my confidence all too often, when I was a teenager I was given a device called a light writer, and this light writer was just like a mini version of a modern day laptop, but more awkward to use, it was so time consuming, this LightWriter was programmed to talk for me, it had augmentive and alternative communication software installed on it, and this software still exists today, I'm using it to record this podcast, so as you can imagine, this device was a little bit more of a hindrance, for one, you had to carry it around with you all the time, and two, the keyboard on it was horrible, you needed to press the keys down on it so hard. My fingers were numb by Wednesday, so back then I stopped using it, because my life was so full on with school, socializing, and being a typical teenager who just wanted to be one of the cool kids. My light writer was holding me back somewhat, now let's fast forward to the present, a few weeks ago I was reading the Lost Voice Guys book. If you remember, he won Britain's Got Talent a few years ago, and in his book he writes about using augmentative and alternative communication, but these days it comes in the form of a mobile phone app, and it's much easier to carry around, so I thought that now being a lot older, and now that I am coming up to my 40s, I'm in a place where I can give it another go, and try and use augmentative and alternative communication again, so I downloaded it. And although it's now in the form of an app and not a bulky device, it is easier to use in that way, but the working of it is pretty much similar to how I remember it to be all those years ago, and I'm sure they're using the same voice too, which cracks me up, but in my experience this technology still is very time consuming and you still couldn't use it for everyday conversation. But for pre-arranged conversations such as going to the pharmacist to ask for your prescription or saying your pump number at a petrol station, it does just the job. But who knows, with technology continuously getting better, someday having an everyday conversation using this software could become a reality. So to answer this particular question, the biggest barrier or issue I have come across is communication. Frustratingly from a personal aspect, and most definitely professionally, my speech has held me back a little, but hopefully, with my new app now and with finding my confidence to take life by the horns again, I am now more determined than ever to run with the future.
0: I was reading your blog post entitled, My Disability is a Physical One, Not a Learning Disability or a Mental Illness. Is this a common misconception then? How often is this assumption made when meeting new people?
1: In the past, I have had some people assume from the first time they meet me that I have a learning disability or a mental illness. Personally, this is something that I feel not only in my situation, but with anyone who has a disability. Whether it's a physical, learning or hidden disability, we all deserve to be treated with respect and dignity. Certain disabilities may affect or limit someone's ability to interact. But at the end of the day we all have our unique personalities which lie deep within. They certainly do contribute to making you unique and molding you into the person you become, and to treat others equally should be something you do without even taking a second thought. I will say though, that it's not too often I get treated in such a way. Still, misconceptions do occur and as soon as some people see me, they judge me on how I present myself physically and how I communicate and they talk differently or a little slower and louder than they would to others. These type of situations make me feel embarrassed and are awkward situations to find yourself in. It's as if people have a big point to prove. I get the fact that there may be instances of misjudgment, but if I didn't have physical differences or a speech impediment, neither the other person or I... Would then be in that situation, we would naturally have a normal conversation, which in my mind is the correct way to approach me, just like you would talk to most people daily, so please can I politely ask people when they first meet me to try not to make an instant judgment, I can communicate. And I understand everything people say to me from an academic perspective and a hearing perspective, too. I am a firm believer of the term never judge a book by its cover, because until you get to know a person's capabilities from the inside out, you'll never find out how much they could educate you or even inspire you in so many different ways. Just
0: to play devil's advocate here a moment, and. As the mum of a daughter with an intellectual disability, I feel I'm allowed to. Historically, individuals with learning impairments have been marginalised, even within the disabled community. I mean, it wasn't until the 2012 Olympics that a significant number of learning disabled athletes competed. I think it was 10 athletes in total, and that was in the Paralympics. Couldn't your comments be misconstrued by some, as disablest, to the learning disabled community?
1: For quite a few years, I had kept my experiences of living with cerebral palsy and the speech impediment, and especially my personal feelings about being disabled inside of me. I would go with the flow, and to a certain degree let my family and friends fight my battles for me, I would let them be my voice too often and sometimes the way other people would put how I felt across wasn't really a true representation of how I was feeling, I have been writing my thoughts down in a personal diary, but up until now rarely used my own voice to stand up for myself, when I met Claire, my book collaborator, we spoke how about my children's book Max and the magic wish could make a difference, Bearing in mind I didn't quite realize when I wrote the story how much it reflected my true feelings. Not until I sent the manuscript to Claire, who then told me that I needed to get my story out there. This was when I come to realize that I had to take time out and go back in time and find the person that I was back then. The person who was proud to be disabled. The person who wouldn't take no for an answer. The person who would speak out. I needed to find a way of releasing all of this frustration I had inside of me, I needed to fall in love with myself again, so Claire suggested I start my own blog, this now brings me up to a few months back when I just started to blog for the very first time, I was so nervous about the public's reaction, it has been so overwhelming, I really didn't think months later people would start to know and see me as becoming a disability advocate. I started this blog as a personal one, as my own voice. Maybe I mistakenly didn't realize the way I have written my blogs may have inspired so many people, but I can honestly say that everything that I have written is so true and real. To get how I feel out in the open has made me feel so much better. I have actually fallen in love with my disability again. I genuinely accept the person I am now, and if this means I am becoming a role model or an activist for the disabled community in the process, I am definitely happy to step into this role and advocate for all the disabled people, whether their disability is a physical one, learning disability or a hidden disability, we all have a right to equality, we all have the right to be included, we all have the right to an accessible world, so let's do this, let's advocate for a more inclusive society. Let's push for more representation in the media, let's be open, and if my comments have been misconstrued by some as disabled by the learning disabled community, this was far from my intention, I want all disabled people to be treated as if they belong within society, because we all should have the right to, disabled people should be allowed to choose how they want to live their lives, if they are capable of doing so, some may need more help than others, and I respect this and they may need a little encouragement along the way. but if someone chooses to become a little more independent and then becomes more successful, it is because they have the talent and desire to become that successful person despite having a disability. Nobody else, just the same as others. All I ask is we celebrate the fact that disabled people have the right to become successful in this world. Crying out to be heard I'm lost here in the night Searching deep within my soul Looking for a voice That I've kept locked away Talk to me
0: You recently had your first children's book, Max's Wish, published. It's a lovely story which I read to my son quite often. How much of the book is inspired by personal events?
1: For a long while previously, I had dreamt of becoming a children's book author, and being honest, I have been putting this off for a very long time. In the past, my mother would say to me, write a children's book. With your creative imagination, it'll be great But I only plucked up the courage to write one around two years ago. It has all happened very fast. I had written the story, edited it, re-edited it, put it all into a manuscript format, pitched my story to numerous book publishers and literary agents, found someone to believe in my vision, edited again, illustrated, finalized and then published all in the space of a year. I know it's crazy to think but it's all true. I had briefly met my collaborator Claire at a music industry event as I am also a songwriter. Still, it wasn't at that time I told Claire about my dream of becoming a children's book author. It was only by chance again that Claire and I connected on social media. This was when she said to me that she was already a published children's book author herself and already had quite a number of books published. So I asked her if she would help me with regards to getting my story published too, and if I could send her my manuscript to read. I am glad to say now that the rest is history, because as soon as Claire read my story, she loved what I had created, and wanted to work with me and make sure my book would get out there. Everything about the book is a true story, and on a family holiday a long time ago we did meet a fortune teller whilst we were at the beach. The interesting thing is she did say to my mother back then you were going to have a writer in your family in years to come. Whether or not this influenced us, I'll let you decide. Another funny story about when we met the fortune teller, she handed me six lottery numbers on a bit of paper. But unfortunately, I lost the bit of paper quite a few years ago. I could have may well be a lottery winner by now. But the fact that now my dream of becoming an author has come true, that's all that matters.
0: It is so important that children with disabilities can see themselves reflected in society. And Max's wish does so in such a simplistic yet very touching way. And the illustrations by Claire Thomas are just beautiful. How important is it to you that disabled people are represented more in mainstream media?
1: Yes, I am passionate about this. And I think having more disabled people represented in the mainstream media, by this I mean disabled actors, becoming more included and being seen to have important and educational standings on our screens and also within society too is vital, and that includes people who have physical disabilities learning disabilities, and also hidden ones. The more representation we get in the media will mean that not only today's generation will learn a hell of a lot about the different types of disabilities, but it will also educate future generations too. Educating on ways disabled people can thrive, may that be in the media, in schools, in our workplaces, in our offices, in our theaters, and even in a social way too. I love being out socializing, May that be at the cinema, a theatre or even in a nightclub. Everybody has the right to feel safe and be happy whilst interacting with the rest of society. And I feel the sooner all of this is normalised, the more an inclusive and a stronger place the world will become. Things are getting better, but a lot more needs to be done so that society can be accessible for all. Some examples are more accessible toilets accessible wet rooms in places such as gyms and leisure centers, more accessible hospitality venues such as bars and restaurants and more sensory accessible venues and events such as gigs and sporting events for people with sensory processing difficulties. Everybody should be included and be guaranteed access, along with naturally being entitled to have fun, and more representation in the media. I was so happy to see Tommy Jessup play the role of Terry Boyle in the recent hit drama Line of Duty. It was such a powerful storyline which highlighted that exploitation of disabled people is real, and the fact the role was played by a disabled actor who actually has Down syndrome, just like Tommy has in real life is a huge step in the right direction. And let's hope this opens the floodgates for more opportunities for disabled roles being played by disabled actors in the mainstream media instead of able actors playing these roles. We also must not dismiss those other disabled actors who have previously or are currently featuring in our mainstream media too, such as Rosie Jones, a comedian with cerebral palsy who is getting a lot of mainstream TV work such as her new Channel 4 show called Trip Hassan, and we can't leave out Lee Ridley and his role in the Radio 4 sitcom called Ability which he co-wrote and played a starring role in. Let's hope media representation on our TV screens continues to grow and becomes a lot more frequent.
0: Biggest barrier to you progressing professionally in the field of both writing and music?
1: I know that there may be a general theme developing, but the biggest barrier for me progressing more openly than I would like in the music industry as a whole up until now has been my speech. This has been frustrating. I can do most of my correspondence and business, such as signing the likes of publishing and licensing deals by email, and to a certain degree, connect with people such as my fellow collaborators, songwriters, and producers. But my point is these are all people who I have worked with for years, and after a while of knowing me, you pick up on my speech. My biggest frustration has been not being able to connect with new people easily. For example, some producers have seen my work on social media and then ask me if I can work with them from a top-lining perspective. For those who are not familiar with the term top lining, it's when you put a melody or a vocal over a track, which I can't do because of my disabilities, I am primarily a lyricist, an ideas man, I'm the architect of the concept, I'm always coming up with new ideas and new lyrics, I'll hear someone say a cool line or see something quirky on TV, and I'll write that line or phrase on my phone for later on and build a song up from scratch then my musician and producer friends come into the frame, and we start working musically from there, another area within songwriting which has been a little awkward to navigate is the networking in person, as I mentioned earlier, meeting new people for the first time can be difficult, people may not know how to approach me, and I totally understand this from their side, whenever I go to a networking event, my father always comes with me for support, so it isn't so bad. Networking events are great for building up contacts within the industry, it's great to put a name to a social media profile, and it's a great feeling when respected people within the industry introduce themselves to you, it's then they truly see for themselves that I am honestly a disabled songwriter with a speech impediment, you can achieve success if you work hard enough, and over the years, I've connected with some lovely people at these events, I am passionate about attending lots more too, and if this means I can network with like-minded people and open a pathway for more disabled songwriters to feel included not only at these events, but within the music industry in general, that would be great. Music brings people together in so many ways. I think it would be good to really let the disabled community show what they can do through music, and I know there are so many people like yourself who work with disabled people musically. There are so many fantastic charities that do, but from a professional songwriting point of view, I would love to see more disability representation at the top, which then filters through to them maybe as seeing a lot more disabled pop stars in the media and public eye, and not only from a success point of view but this would then create scope for a lot more discussion about the different types of disabilities within our society and also places such as schools from an education perspective too. I've never pushed myself to the front of the line Really, I seem to catch the flooding
0: I Usually, I end up on a carousel of doubt. Will I always be the one left behind? Left alone to roam into the night. There, one night, you looked straight through my wounded frame. When you kissed me on my stone cold. Can you tell me a bit more about your creative process as a songwriter? What was the collaborative process like, for example, between you and Al Steele? And was your speech impairment a barrier to the progress of the songs when you worked together?
1: Those of us who work with them know Al Steele, there are not many people who have a bad word to say about him, Al is always smiling, he's more than often life and soul of the party, or should I say the recording studio, and he's very talented, he can play any instrument, he's self-taught, and most importantly he's now an adopted Welshman previously hailing from Australia. The story goes, I was looking for musicians and recording studios to work with just a few years ago, well quite a few years ago actually, and as I was searching for both local musicians and recording studios, Shabby Road Studios popped up which is the studio Al is co-director of, so to cut to the point, after emailing the studio Al agreed to meet with me to discuss how he could help me get my ideas and lyrics into the form of music, and after that first meeting we agreed to arrange a writing session, and I think I remember Al bringing in Rob Sherwood, who is another fantastic musician. Back then I had written some lyrics which I had an idea in my head for a melodramatic inspirational song in the style of Michael Bolton, which to this day still hasn't been officially released, maybe someday it will. So at this first session, nobody had an inclination of how it would go, but after just four hours we had written our first complete song together called When Courage Shines on Me which was back then recorded for me by a fantastic male vocalist called Aubrey Parsons. If you haven't done so already you need to check this guy out because vocally he's superb and pretty versatile too. But as you can now imagine, myself and Al hit it off immediately and we now have a formidable writing partnership built up and over the years we have co-written quite a number of songs. Not all of them are released, but some of them which have been recorded by the likes of Phantom of the Opera star Peter Carey and the Force's sweetheart Kiss tenorspawn. As for how Al and I go about our writing process, I will first work on and come up with a song concept and write the lyrics in my little writing corner at home, then I'll go over to the studio where Al more than less has a melody and song structure in his head for my concept even before we sit down together, it's like we have some kind of telepathic bond, it's great, may the force be with you kind of stuff but generally after around 4 hours we have a high quality demo song written, just like that. From a disability perspective, I know that Al is as passionate as I am about using music to advocate ways how to showcase that despite being disabled the concept of music is for everyone whatever your abilities are. Al is also heavily involved in the Music Man project. And he works with a guy called David Stanley to once a year organize and put on a variety concert at the London Palladium in the West End, which is performed by children and adults with learning disabilities, who perform in front of thousands of people showcasing how music can be used to free the constraints placed on people with learning disabilities. This concert is truly groundbreaking and magical. These days Al and I are still as eager and passionate about songwriting, and my mission is to continue to work together, whilst bringing other writers in on the creative process in the way of collaboration, which I believe is key within today's music industry. If anyone would like to get creative with us, please check out my social media.
0: would you give to someone interested in pursuing a career in writing or songwriting but fearing that their disability might be holding them back?
1: Always be true to yourself and write from the heart because the most important thing with writing is that what you write comes deep down from inside of you and it is seen, read and heard to be authentic and honest. Being disabled from my own personal experience and along with having a speech impediment, writing has given me an outlet. It has given me a voice, so use it to tell your story, with being different it gives you a unique starting point, keeping my feelings wrapped up, personally for me was a mistake, there was no need to, so now knowing this, my advice is to use your talent of writing to create something magical, never hold back, reach out and network with like-minded people, don't be wary of connecting with other authors or songwriters, give it your all each time you collaborate. Because at the end of the day your talent and willingness to communicate with others will be the only quality that people will want to see, and not your disabilities. It took me a while to trust in this process, but with a lot of patience, your true talent will eventually shine so bright you will get to a position where you will make a difference to yourself and to others too. You will naturally grow as a creative writer or songwriter, never doubt yourself. Believe in your talent as an ability, and never stop trying, it is now by doing this that I am now so happy, so excited to learn what the future will bring, eager to collaborate with the next person, and the next, and the next, so just trust in the process, because your creative journey is a marathon and not a sprint, each time I start to doubt myself again, I remind myself of my core values in life, and they are to never give up. Smash through each barrier that gets in the way one at a time. And always be yourself, that's all that matters. Make fulfill my dreams. Dreams come true at Christmas time. Make my dreams come true.
0: I'd like to talk to you now about a Heritage Lottery funded project that my company, Forget Me Not Productions, are undertaking in partnership with Key Gwynn Special School, a special school in Cardiff. It's called I, as in I is in your head, I Plus Matter, and will be a celebration of the history and development of assistive technology through a variety of workshops and training sessions. History starts here is the tagline, and that's our aim. So through the creation of a documentary that highlights the history of the most vulnerable members of society, whose heritage is quite limited, we'll be shining a light on their achievements and what they can do as opposed to what they cannot. So adults with complex disabilities will be discussing how assistive technology is developed, you know, comparing it now to what it was when they were growing up. We'll also be using assistive technology through our Music Can framework, so we'll be motivating people to tell their stories and enabling a history to unfold. This will culminate in the iPlus Matter Festival, which will be a festival of best practice for those working in the field of inclusive arts, assistive technology and SEN. It will incorporate evidence from the workshops and sessions that we've been delivering, as well as short films made by the participants. These will then be interspersed with talks by guest speakers, including an AAC user who will discuss how assistive technology has benefited him, including an AAC user discussing how assistive technology has benefited them. So can you answer the following questions? One, how has technology such as your communication aid helped you both professionally and personally? Two, How does the technology you use now compare to what was available when you were younger? And three, to what level, if any, is your own personal journey, your heritage and your history, intertwined with your use of technology?
1: As I have talked about in one of your earlier questions... I have kind of had a love and hate relationship with my communication aids, for example back in my teens and in my school years I just couldn't bring myself to use this bulky light writer, it was more of a hindrance than an aid to be honest, and I have only just recently started to try this technology out again, and now it comes in the form of an app. I am getting on with it a lot better. I am using it maybe not with everyday conversation, but more with complex situations such as asking for things over the counter and paying for items. I say the word complex because they most definitely have sometimes been complex situations for me. I plan to review the app on my blog and write about my experience with using it in a few months time when I've really had the chance to use it whilst I'm out and about. With regards to my own personal and professional journey, I have been using computers and laptops since a very young age, because I couldn't write fast, typing was an easier option for me all the way through school, for classwork, I even did all of my exams on computers, I now still use a laptop to do all my writing, including writing of my children's books my lyrics and songwriting, and also most of my personal business such as shopping and paying bills, so yes, I have a long intertwined working and personal relationship with computers, they have made life so much easier, if I had to handwrite everything, my life would be so much more complicated, moving ahead, I'm looking forward to finding out in what ways new technology could make my communication and everyday life even easier. This is the first time I have done anything like this, and I have enjoyed doing it very much. Maybe you have paved the way for me to do a few more in the future with my new communication app. I'm a lot more confident now. That can only be a good thing. It can only be onwards and upwards from here on.
0: Thank you so much, Gavin, for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for asking me to feature on the Mouth of podcast.
0: I'll speak to you later. Join me next time when I interview artist, filmmaker, writer and director, Kyle Legall.
1: My mother's a white lady who so sort of was writing letters to Desmond Tutu to, to, um, it, because we had a big sort of uh, black alliance down here uh, in the 70s and 80s where we'd match for apartheid and things. So I grew up in that era where I was constantly making banners and, and um, matching and stuff. So like I said, we was, we was, that, we was informed and going outside uh, of Bhutan to school, I I seen the sort of extent of racism, and um, yeah, the the indifference I felt, uh, I suppose you carry with you uh, as an adult.